uh, tonight what I want to do is I'm going to preach a message in relation to our Why Am I So Angry series, and it's called The Many Faces of Anger, The Many Faces of Anger. <clears throat> when you think of an angry person, you probably think of uh, someone who walks around with an angry scowl, maybe loudly expressing outrage, uh, venting threats as to what he's going to do and uh, about whatever is bothering him or her, you know. If they do this, I'm going to do this. And that's anger. <coughs> and of course, that is anger. That is anger. And it's not right. It's sin. Uh, slamming doors is anger. Uttering st- threats um, is anger. Hurling insults, that's anger. Uh, lunging towards an offender with clenched fists, even if you don't hit them, that is anger. Uh, that we expect. And we look at that and say, oh, that's an angry person. We don't usually think of an angry person, <coughs> excuse me, that is always smiling, quiet in nature, easy to get along with, or maybe even easily brought to tears. Uh, soft-spoken, funny, sociable, quiet people can actually be just as angry as those that are serious and expressive. Um, some of the quietest among us are inwardly the angriest among us. And we got to understand that, the different faces of anger. There are outward expressions of anger and hostility that are normally easy to recognize, like uh, speaking hatefully, yelling, hitting, slapping. <laughs> Those are all signs of anger. But others use these. Subtle sarcasm. Um, Excessive teasing, biting humor to vent buried hostility towards someone maybe that they are angry at, uh, crying, clamming up. Clamming up is a sign of anger. Uh, refusing to cooperate with others, exposing or portraying others in an unfavorable light, that's a mark of anger, or quietly sulking is as well. People with anger or quiet anger may not even perceive their own anger uh, because they don't even recognize that as anger. <laughs> because they themselves have defined anger as what I said before, hitting and punching, yelling and screaming. To them, that's what anger is. But scripture tells us that's not what it is. There's different kinds of anger. Um... They're convinced that angry people are always hostile, and that's not true. Uh, it may be that someone with quiet anger will use terminology like, I'm annoyed, I'm irritated, I'm fed up, I'm hurt, I'm aggravated, I'm frustrated. All these different terms, but yet in all reality they're saying I'm angry. That's what it is. And we can replace each one of those with, I am angry. You're irritated, you're angry. You're annoyed, you're angry. <laughs> you're hurt, you're angry. You're fed up, you're angry. You're aggravated, that's anger. And if you're frustrated, that's anger too. And so we got we to gotta recognize, begin to recognize the many faces of anger if we're going to deal with anger. First point I want to bring across here. I'm going to talk about anger concealed. Anger concealed. Hidden anger is far more deadly than blatant forms of anger. Far more deadly. It deceives the heart of the one that is angry, making it easy for him or her to excuse the anger or to believe it does not exist. And that's what makes it so deadly. Because when we don't recognize the anger in us, that becomes a real problem. Then it's very detrimental to people. We don't understand why we're always teasing people a certain way. Why do we insult people and so forth? That's all a result of anger in our life. Um, such a person is compared to a madman in the scripture. And I want to go to Proverbs 26, verse 18 to 19. <clears throat> it says, As a madman... Who casteth firebrands, arrows, 
and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am not I in sport? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. These people are in their anger, do their damage, and then they say, oh, I was just kidding. I was just joking. This is a sign of serious anger in a person's life. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever met those kind of people. They never take responsibility for their angry actions. Instead, what they'll do is they'll just make it into a joke. And that is a serious evidence of anger in a person's life. Um, Proverbs 26, verse 23, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. And that's basically it's silver dross. Uh, a potsherd is like earthen, it's clay, but it's dressed up in silver. <laughs> Amen. And that's how many times these quiet people are dressed up in silver, but in all reality, inside. Inside, there's some serious issues going on, and it comes out in these jokes, it comes out in the subtle humor, uh, different things like that, and that's really an anger issue. Some people are able to intentionally keep their anger so well hidden that others never suspect they have a problem with it. We have the ability to cover up, excuse, justify, and hide sin the moment we do it to reason and exert a will of its own. And so <clears throat> we are very interesting, interestingly made. Um, and then when the fall came and we, become, we became sinners, it's interesting how quickly we can come up with a scenario on the, on the fly. And that happens with angry people. <laughs> Children, they have the ability to change stories to make themselves look good in it. If children are not taught properly, this will actually be carried into adulthood. Um, those with years of practice can become clever in the way they hide their anger and sin, making themselves look good even to the most discerning people. And it takes really an unusual perception by somebody to reveal these tactics. Or these people will continue to defy discovery. You understand that? So they're very good at changing the story. Uh, many times you'll ask a child what happened to them. And when they retell the story, we're talking like a couple of minutes later, they've already had the ability to make themselves look better in that scenario and make the other person look worse. <laughs> that's the result of our sin nature. And that's also uh, what happens with angry people. They have the tendency to do that. <laughs> so when you ask them something and they retell a story, the story will always be in their favor. It won't be the truth. Amen? And it'll be so, so well hidden that even the most discerning person won't get that this person actually has an anger problem. <laughs> and really themselves, they'll, they'll deceive themselves in it. Someone that is found out by someone wise in these tactics will many times react with a surprising amount of contempt and malice for being found out trying to smokescreen the issue once again. <laughs> and so when finally they meet their match and they have somebody that sees through the story, <laughs> you're surprised because they're always so quiet, so under control, you're surprised how quickly they fly off the handle. Because the whole time it's been a simmering anger underneath. And when their, their tactics don't work, they explode. <laughs> and so we have, to be in, in, uh, we have to understand these things for our own selves, for our families, for our church members. <clears throat> because we need to help people. And <clears throat> it's never going to be a comfortable thing for you to expose the lie in a story. But what you will do if you expose that lie, you're going to uncover the heart of the person. And that's important. Because letting someone continue on for the rest of their life, you know, using these tactics is not going to help them. They're going to be, they're going to hurt themselves and they're going to hurt other people around them. 
you know, so we've got to become wise. And that's why I'm doing these, these uh, lessons. Number two, <coughs> we're going to look at anger exposed. This is an interesting story in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. This King Asa, um, he wasn't necessarily a bad king. Um, he was an angry king. And because of his anger, it came out that he looked very bad. <laughs> and we see that, you know, in this story. And he's always been kind of an interesting character for me as I've, as I've looked at his life. <clears throat> in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7, it says this. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. So Hanani confronted and exposed Asa's self-willed reliance. You didn't rely on the Lord. Now this is the thing. Um, Asa rejected God's provision, rejected God's instruction, and rather, he relied on a godless nation for the victory. This did not seem unreasonable, nor did it seem sinful to Asa. Why was that? Because Asa was enjoying the spoils of war. They won. They won the battle. They, they shared the spoils. They get back to the palace. Who's waiting? <laughs> the party pooper. <laughs> Amen. The prophet. The prophet. The prophet. Boy, you'd think that he'd just say, hey, wow, hey, lots of money for the church. <laughs> you know? It's not what he said. He said, you didn't rely on God. And even though you won the war, and even though you got the spoil, you've messed up. See, Asa only saw that they had won the battle and were enjoying the spoils of war. The end justified the means. But this is it. He couldn't see the whole end. See, and this is what happens many times. People will do things to get to their goal, and they'll violate what God says in the scripture, and then when it seems to be working out, they get angry if you expose it. But the thing is this, they think the ends justify the means, but what they don't see is the end of the matter, by faith. <clears throat> see folks, as a pastor, as a leader in your home, you can't afford to live that way. You can't afford to live that way. <laughs> you can't afford to live by what things are perceived to look like in the moment. See, we don't have the ability to discern whether things are going to turn out or not apart from God's word. <laughs> and so we constantly <clears throat> have to rely on the Lord. And when we do that, we know that the ultimate end will always be good. But sometimes we think, because things seem to be favoring us right now, that somehow what we did is okay. And then we get confronted with it, we blow up. Well, what do you mean? We're all good. <laughs> sometimes you, you talk to somebody and you know that they've got sin problems. <clears throat> and what I'll ask them how are you doing and what they will do is they will respond in an exaggerated way oh I'm doing great <laughs> I'm doing great <laughs> now they do that because they're trying to see the blessing in the moment even though they've chose the wrong mean, the, the wrong methods in their life and when you ask them, how's it going? <laughs> they know exactly what you're asking. And so what they do is they try to make it look better than it is. 
when in all reality they're missing the fact that if they don't deal with the sin that they've just done, that the ultimate end is going to be destruction. And so when you start pushing that button and say, <clears throat> I don't think it's going so good for you. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is where the, the malice comes in. <laughs> See, Asa was like that. Um, Hannah and I knew that there would be a consequence for Asa's self-will. And, he, and because of his love for Asa, he confronted the misguided reliance. Amen? So most people are happy with what they perceive to be everything going okay. But a spiritual person isn't like that. The, the spiritual person is the party pooper. <laughs> They're the one that even though everybody's enjoying the spoils of war, they're still saying, you are not relying on the Lord. <laughs> what do you mean? We won! What do you mean? You didn't rely on God. And because of that, there's going to be ramifications. And there's going to be things that are going to happen with the king of Syria. And basically what he told them was, is that that king of Assyria is going to be a thorn in your side all the days of your life. They will constantly war with you. He says, How, why didn't you deal with him when he was in your presence? Instead, you made an alliance. <laughs> but the alliance seemed to pay off. It seems to be working. <laughs> but it's not working. No unholy alliance will ever bring blessing into your life, ever. And we have to be a Hananiah. Hananiah, not a Asa. We have to be the one to expose it. And that's why many times a pastor gets to do that job, <laughs> you know. But it shouldn't always be me. I can tell you that right now. You know, I think we've got some spiritual people in the church. <laughs> and I think we've got some people that know how to discern whether someone's relying on the Lord or relying on their own tactics to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. And we got to be willing, as men that love these people, be willing to say something. Because if they don't get this right, they are going to have war with Syria for the rest of their days. So Hananiah knew the consequence. He knew that if I do this, Asa is the king. He could kill me. He can jail me. He can do all kinds of things. But in spite of understanding there's a consequence, he still loved Asa enough to confront him for his self-reliance, which most people will not do today. <laughs> they will not do it. They'll just let people, well, it's their problem. I hear that all the time. Well, pff, that's their problem. <laughs> Knows God's people, it's our problem. In the church of Christ, it's all of our problem. The Bible says, if one member suffer, we all suffer with it. Don't think for a second that if you're given to sin, that somehow this church is not suffering because of that. <laughs> I know that for a fact. <laughs> Everybody suffers in some way. Even those that maybe don't know what you're doing. <laughs> because it'll always come back around to them. Some way, somehow. And so the body hurts. <clears throat> Han and I was sent to prison for exposing this self-reliant attitude. Interesting, at the end of Asa's life, this is something if he would have listened to the prophet, it would have extended his life, you know, because at the end of his life, he got a disease. And the disease affected his feet. But the Bible says, because he didn't go to the Lord with it, he went to the doctors. He did what he could on a human level, but he didn't seek the Lord. And the Bible said because he didn't seek the Lord in the healing of his feet that he died. 
See, it's because he began to live a life of self-reliance. <laughs> and that's really what happens with anger. <laughs> Your anger is really living on a level of self-reliance. And you're always trying to figure it out yourself. And you're, very, you're a very situational, ethic kind of person. When things are going well, see? <laughs> when things aren't going well, you look for someone to blame. Like Asa putting Hananiah in jail. Hananiah was the only person that loved him. <laughs> Yet Asa put the one that loved him in jail because he was willing to say the right thing to help him. If he would have listened, he probably would have learned to rely on the Lord. And if he would have relied on the Lord when he got the disease in his feet, he would have gone to the Lord. But he didn't. So it actually shortened his life span. Isn't that interesting? That's self-reliance. Because thou didst not rely upon the Lord. And every person with an anger problem, no matter what it is, no matter what face you wear in your anger, because we're very good at putting on a front, whatever face you wear, you are a self-reliant person. You can look as spiritual as, as the greatest Christian on the planet. But if you're an angry person, you're not right with God. You're not right with God. And you're self-reliant. And chances are, it is going to hurt you time and time again until finally it's going to ultimately hurt you because your pride goes before destruction. That's what the Bible says. Very few people react to confrontation with humility, but with ruthless retaliation. Jesus warned us like as him, we would be hated and rejected for speaking the truth. Think about Han and I. He learned this, uh, he learned this without Jesus' example. <laughs> but Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. They hated me before they hated you. So you'll never be the favorite person. <laughs> if you want to be every, the person that everybody, you, you want everybody to like, then you can't live like a Christian. <laughs> You'll have to live in this, this life of self-reliance and um, situational ethics, but you will not live by principle. You will not walk by principle because you're not willing to sacrifice what that person thinks about you in their mindset, you see. <clears throat> you have to get past their mindset and you have to get down to the truth. The truth is, if their mindset is a mindset that they'll hate me for telling them the truth, they are wrong, and they need me to tell them anyways. Amen? So you got to get past their mindset. <clears throat> but a lot of people aren't willing to do that. They don't want to do that. They would rather have that person like them with a wrong mindset as long as I'm liked. And I'm, I'm willing to let them stay in a wrong mindset for, for my sake. And that's how we live. But Jesus told us clearly, and he warned us, just like him, if we're going to live like him, we are going to be treated like him. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to do that to you, because the Bible says the wise man will love you if you rebuke them. I mean, a wise man will appreciate that you're pointing out something that's going to bring them harm. But a fool won't, and a scorner definitely will not. A scorner will turn it around, and they'll try to bring you shame. They'll try to take you down. They'll try to come up with, with things to say about you, to convince everybody else how bad you are, <clears throat> and therefore don't take anything they say seriously because they're bad. Amen. That's a scorner. That's why it says, reprove not a scorner, lest they bring thee shame. But then it says, reprove a scorner. And it talks about saving the simple. So sometimes <clears throat> in our attempt to um, 
help the simple. The simple person is the person that can still choose to become wise, <laughs> but is in great danger of becoming a fool because of the influences in their life. So the scorner says something, and you, you're willing to put your neck out for the sake of the simple. Not for the sake of the scorner. See, the scorner's already determined their path. In fact, a scorner never gets right. <laughs> if you have a scorner in your life, and there's nobody that you know is being affected by him, leave him alone and walk away. Mark them and avoid them because they cause divisions contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Amen? But if there's somebody within their realm of influence that they're influencing, and that person has the potential to become wise, <laughs> but because they're in the same vicinity as the scorner, Sometimes it's going to take a spiritual Christian to stand up and say, you're wrong. Knowing when you say that, immediately they're going to dig in the dregs of the garbage can and fabricate something to make you look bad. Because that's what scorners do. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. <clears throat> that's why I've been warning everybody in the last little while on being careful to not sit with people that are criticizing others in the church. You're a fool and you're wicked if you do that. You're wicked. And I'm not kidding. I believe with all my heart. David responded with humility when confronted by Nathan the prophet concerning his sin. So <clears throat> David had sinned. He actually committed adultery. He not only committed adultery, he committed murder. Boy, that bad guy. <laughs> Boy, let's just kill him. Let's just drag him through the mud for the rest of his life. <laughs> See, you're proving your anger by saying things like that. But what God does is he sends a prophet. And the prophet pointed his finger in David's face and said, you are that man. You are the one that did this. And David immediately, because really he was just caught up in a deception of his own sin. Immediately David humbled himself. <laughs> he says, you know what, you're right. I have sinned grievously. And so Nathan gave him the punishment. And it was horrible. <laughs> it was a bad thing. He lost a child. <clears throat> child died. Um... Other punishments came upon his life because of that. But you know what? It would have been a lot worse if he would have responded in anger. <laughs> anger is a horrible way to handle things. It shows your self-reliance. You're going to take on God. <laughs> Think about that foolish thing. You are going to take the God of heaven on solo. Self-reliance. Amen. Instead of when you're confronted with something, to completely humble yourself, <laughs> empty yourself, and confess your sin. That's the only way to escape the destruction. There will be consequences, but there will not be death. <laughs> Perhaps not. But if there is death, you'll meet the Lord right. Not wrong. <laughs> Amen. It's always a blessing to do the right thing. Number three, many times when people are confronted, they hurl hurtful remarks at someone else that has nothing to do with the problem being raised. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, this is what I saw you do. Well, what about them over there? <laughs> okay, we'll deal with them next, all right? But right now, we deal with you. No, but what about them? Well, what about them? Well, what about them? Look at them. Look, oh, that, whoa, look. They're trying to get your attention away from them. And so they're hurling insults around because they don't want to take responsibility for their own sin. Amen? That's where a spiritual person will not allow themselves to be distracted by these hurling of insults in other directions. 
maybe some of these insults are actually exposing somebody that they know of <laughs> that is doing wrong. Well, then we have to go deal with that. But it will have nothing to do with how we deal with this person. So sure, implicate everybody, <laughs> you know, and we'll have to deal with everybody. But that does not lessen our responsibility to deal with your sin. You understand that? So the, the train has to keep rolling. <laughs> we have to keep dealing with it. So this type of vengeful response betrays its own hidden anger and pride while desperately trying to maintain its facade and respectful, respectable innocence. So many times people that try to keep their anger quiet and they're confronted will, oh, but this person, and now they become so righteous because they're concerned about everybody else. <laughs> because they're trying to maintain the facade that somehow I'm right. And you got to be careful because you're not a spiritual person. If you're easily given to deception, you're going to fall for it. And these are the kind of things that hurt the church a lot, these type of things. Because many people that come to the church, they're simple in the way they approach life. <laughs> they haven't studied human behavior. <laughs> They've not dealt with people in the counseling room. They've not seen people's responses to different things at different times and so forth. And so they don't know that they're being hornswoggled, <laughs> you know. And that's why you have to maintain your focus as you're dealing with people. You're dealing with anger, especially those that have a quiet anger. They're the most deceptive and the most dangerous people. A person that blows up and gets anger are easy to pinpoint. But a person that is quiet, they can come off as almost respectable because I'm exposing other people when all reality they're a scorner <laughs> underneath their quiet facade. Amen? You get what I'm saying here? I'm not confusing you, am I? You guys okay? All right, good. <clears throat> Sometimes angry people quietly withdraw themselves, giving the impression that they are spending time alone in quiet contemplation. <laughs> so, it's true. <laughs> so, <clears throat> somebody with hidden anger, when they're confronted, their first response may be to hide away, run away and go to another room. And our, you know, <laughs> we don't know how to judge that. So we'll say something like, oh, maybe they're just going to think about what they've done. Or they're going to think about, that's not what they're doing. They're sulking. And <clears throat> in these situations, <clears throat> time will be spent rehearsing why they should feel hurt and angry about something rather than reorienting one's thoughts and meditations to reflect a Christ-like biblical point of view. So basically, what I'm going to do in that time of meditation, <laughs> I'm going to rehearse in my mind why I have the right to be hurt and angry. Rather than seeking in that quiet time how I, as a child of God, should take on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ and respond in a biblical fashion. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll say, oh, that's what they're doing. But they're not. <laughs> they're rehearsing their hurts. Well, you don't understand. This has really hurt me. <laughs> And they're quietly simmering underneath. <clears throat> Just like the volcano before it erupts. The lava is boiling. <laughs> and the more they contemplate, the more active the lava gets. And the greater pressure begins to mount in their heart. <clears throat> Number two. Those that quietly withdraw, sulking, deceiving themselves that they are right... <clears throat> will ultimately end up in full-blown bitterness and depression. <clears throat> so, if a person 
does not handle correction right or they do not deal with a situation right and they decide I'm just going to go hide, clam up and go hide away and rehearse my hurt, what just happened to me, they will ultimately end up in a state of depression, in a state of bitterness. And that bitterness, the Bible says, will defile many. It will ultimately hurt everybody around them. And so we need to discern this, the many faces of anger. I'm going to leave this. This is going to be the last uh, illustration I want to talk about. <clears throat> and I am, I am so sorry for some of the misspelling in my uh, paragraphs. I don't know if you caught some. I tried to fix them. I don't know if he got it up in time. But Ahab. <laughs> you guys remember Ahab. <clears throat> you want a man that gives you a great example of a bad example, that's Ahab. So you're either a good example of a good example <laughs> or you're a good example of a bad example. And so we got to choose what we want to be. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and so Ahab, he withdrew in silence when Naboth refused to sell him his vineyard. So he wanted something. <laughs> and because he couldn't get it, because the person didn't submit to what he desired, he withdrew himself and began to sulk about it. Okay? First <clears throat> Kings 21, verse number 5. So he refused to eat, reused. <laughs> Don't put up any more things here, son, unless you can fix the spelling before it goes up. <laughs> <clears throat> he refused to eat, and instead, he lay down on his bed, and he turned his face to the wall. King of Israel. First Kings 21, verse 5, it says this, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, why is thy spirit so sad? that thou eatest no bread. Here's Jezebel. Why? Oh, you shouldn't be sad. This is where the ungodly woman comes in. Instead of rebuking him for his self-pity, for his sulking, oh, why are you so sad? My little... Strokes him. <clears throat> I got the wrong name here. Ahab made sure he sounded perfectly reasonable when he responded. And that Naboth was unreasonable when rehearsing his conversation that he had with Naboth with his wife Jezebel. Okay? So right off the bat, this is what he did. He said he tried to make the conversation where I was only being reasonable. But Naboth was completely unreasonable. <laughs> when in all reality, Ahab is completely unreasonable to de desire something that is not his to have. And Naboth was completely reasonable to say, this has been in my family for generations and I don't want to give it up. And I don't care what you give me for it. Money had no bearing on it. <laughs> That was hard for Ahab because money is all he had, <laughs> you know. 1 Kings 21, verse 6. And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. Oh, that Naboth. He was just so mean in the way he responded. And I asked him, so nice if it pleased him. <laughs> oh, be careful, folks. Angry people have a way of changing a conversation in such a way that when they replay it to you, the other person will seem completely at fault 
and they are completely innocent. How many people have you talked to who go out of the way to make themselves look bad? And we are so foolish. At the first glance, we accept what they say because we have no wisdom in us many times. Or we're partial to this person. So I'm partial to this person. And because I'm partial to this person over that person, I'm just going to accept your version of that conversation, even though I couldn't convince or have any evidence that that is actually true. An angry person, especially when they're angry underneath the surface, like Ahab was, that's the kind of things they do. Because they're not going to come off all blowing their top right off the bat. If they do, then they're exposing themselves. So they come off righteously. But yet it's still anger. Amen? And we fall for it because we're not discerning. And so Ahab allowed Jezebel to devise the means of Naboth's murder. Ahab sulked while Jezebel was outraged. So what we had here, two faces of anger. The one face was a sulking face. The other face was an evil face. Which one was worse? They were both murderers. The one was easier to hide. In fact, those type of people, those are the ones... Oh, yeah. And you stroke them. You're so sad. They're wicked. They're wicked. And stop being a fool and falling for it. (laughs) Amen. So our children, they grow up. Where did Ahab learn all of this? How did he know how to be this? You know? Well, maybe his father was like that. But all I know is in our nature... We all have the compensity to be like that. We can all become like that. And so our children will automatically learn to do that. How many children that you have known in your family or whatever sulk when they don't get their way? Have I ever seen my child sulk? (laughs) Oh, no, no. Yes. And why are they sulking? Because they're angry. They're angry. And so what I need to do is confront them, not stroke them. If I stroke them, what's going to happen is that anger is going to turn into a full-blown strategy in their life on how they're going to constantly try to get what they want. And when they fail, they're going to come up with a strategy how they're going to respond. And they'll always bring to themselves people that will, will always respond the way that they want them to respond. They will only be friends with strokers, not with wise people. They will always be friends with those that will say, oh, poor boy, rather than get right with God. Like a hand and I. You see... So it's up to us as parents. Teach our kids this as, we, as they are raised up. And we've got to become wiser. <laughs> but these are the things we can learn from Scripture. And so, <clears throat> 1 Kings 21, 7, says, And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Aren't you the boss around here? Arise and eat bread. Let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, a Jezreelite. I will get you what you want. (laughs) What a great wife she is. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. (laughs) And sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in this city, dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast, And set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, before him. 
to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. Set up a false witness against the one that is not letting you have what you want. (laughs) That is how wicked people do it. That is how angry people do it. And that's how angry people who know angry people do it. Rebel groups are always angry people. Always are. They'll do stuff for each other. Ahab was a cowering weasel while his wicked wife was a murderer at heart. He allowed her to show her anger and murder, but his anger was murderous as well. That's why I say the hidden anger, the concealed anger, is just, if not more dangerous than blatant anger. Ahab sulking abated when he won the sympathy of Jezebel. (laughs) This is so good. The only reason Ahab was sulking in self-pity was that he didn't get his way. Think about this. As soon as Jezebel stroked him and said, I'll take care of this. Oh, I got no more problem. It's all good. Someone stroked me. Someone believes me. Someone wants a murder for me. All of a sudden, I'm happy. Wow, isn't that the cure? The cure for him was to get his own way. If I get my way, I'm happy. If I don't get my way, I sulk. I face the wall until somebody walks in and sees me. Because I'm not going to go hide too far away. I'm going to be close enough that people can still see me because they need to see me sulk. And then one of them that is like me, that has an anger problem, is going to come up and stroke me. And when they say they're on my side, I'm going to stand up and say, oh, thank you, you're my best friend. You're the best person in the world. (laughs) They both were eaten by dogs. And the dogs lapped up their blood. A prophecy by the prophet. (laughs) Folks, no amount of sulking, scheming, or lying to get your way will bring satisfaction in your life. No amount. You can get all the vineyards. You can get whatever you want. You can make it all kind of work out. You can get all the spoils of war. You can win all the battles. And guess what? You're not going to be happy. We need to learn to rely on the Lord. Turn to him. Confess. Humble our heart like David. Can you imagine if David just chose the wrong way in that moment? And how that would have changed things for his future, his family, and all, everything else. But a humble heart set in course his line till Jesus Christ. And God still gave him a good testimony, even though he failed. (laughs) You can fail, and with a humble heart, you can always be restored. And you can always be blessed. You can always have a good life. Amen? But being (laughs) self-reliant, you will always fail. You will always be unhappy. And you will never forget what you really want. And that's joy. Joy will escape you all of your days. Amen. Let's be careful of the anger. The anger is something that will destroy your life. Whether it's a... Whether it's a... Right? Remind me of Ferdinand's puppy. (laughs) Whenever he sees him. (laughs) Puppies are good at that. 
Puppies are okay to do that, but we are not. We're not puppies. Amen. My little puppy at home can come up to me and, and I'll stroke it. There's nothing it has responsibility for <laughs> other than looking at me. <laughs> what do you do with it? I, I don't know. <laughs> but you do. We all do. Airdrie Baptist Church, we all do have a responsibility before God to live righteously and holy before him. And we've got to be careful of anything that's going to be a Naboth experience. Anything. And we've got to get that right. Because the dogs will lip up, lap up your blood one day. Well, that's mean, preacher. No, I'm just being a hand and eye. Well, then I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do what you got to do. <laughs> but folks, this church is going to live for God. As long as I'm here, this book, man, I'm going to preach every verse. And it's going to eat your lunch. <laughs> it's going to eat your lunch. And those of you that are right with God right now, in your heart, you're saying, amen, preacher. Those of you that aren't right, don't sulk. Don't blow up. Don't blow up. Because that hurts you far more than it'll hurt anybody else. Amen. But it will hurt other people too. Let us, as God's people, not turn to sulking, scheming, lying to get our way. That will not bring us satisfaction. I think we've got to turn to God we got to love him, turn to scripture, live by principle, submit ourselves to the word of God, and do right, confess our sins. And guess what? We will go forward. Be careful. All of us can have a tendency of saying things. Remember those little jokes, those little things that express anger even in a funny way. <laughs> that can be a sign that maybe there's something not quite right underneath. Amen? Those little insults you, in, you throw at people. Oh, just kidding. No, sir. No, sir. No, somebody has got to catch you in that. Somebody's got to stop you. Someone's got to say, hey, hold on there. <laughs> you just made that person feel bad and then treated it as a joke. All that did was reveal that you're an angry person. And that is sin. Christians, we've got to become smarter, wiser. And we've got to stop people in their tracks when they do things like that. Well, but then they won't like me. <laughs> yeah, you'll be a Hanani. And I, you know, I would really love, I'd rather be Hanani in glory today than Asa.